I was extremely saddened to hear about Tim Keller. He's my favorite buddy to be with at the gym. You know, the thing that stunned me about it as, as I reflected on it, Tim Keller is my age. So, um, get your kids started early in the Word. <laughs> you can see the difference between a man that devoted himself really wholeheartedly to the Word and what he was able to accomplish, the number of people he was able to impact and, and affect. And so, um, you know, I think about Simon, you know, whatever his calling is, you know, what if it's grounded and founded on the Word of God, it will be something that he can... Who knows who all he'll be able to reach. I almost prayed that. Yeah. Um, so... Um, there's a difference there. I mean, he's you know, same age as me. Look what look what he's done to really help this culture. Like Bill was saying, really help this culture um, hear their response. Is that their response to embrace? But to hear the truth of God in a way that's spoken in a way that in their language, so to speak. So. Um, yes, he's going to be greatly missed. And, and the fact that he's given us a treasure trove of things that, that he's spoken about is a, oh, it's such a treasure and such a gift to, to the, the world. So uh, continue, to, continue to keep his uh, wife, Kathy, in your prayers and his children. Um, I'm sure it's a great loss to them as well. Well, this morning we're going to... Um, it's more going to be a meditation than a message. And so uh, find, find the Bible, whether it's your phone or whatever. Um, I was thinking about the last two messages we've had. Greg gave a really good and deep message on faith, what it is, how it works. Um, Randy followed that last week with a, a pattern, a pattern of life, uh, so to speak, uh, likened to the cross, um, the burial and resurrection. Uh, I'm going to try to kind of pull those things together um, as best I can. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. A couple of things just from Randy's message that I jotted down on my little piece of paper with some th- some thoughts for ne- this week. We'll see how well it dovetails. But one of the things that he said, he said that um, pro- the provision cannot be enjoyed until the pattern is employed. That pattern being the cross, death, and resurrection. Um, the victory of Romans 8 cannot be appreciated appropriated until we walk through uh, Romans chapter 6 and then about Romans 7 he says I can will what is right but I cannot do it so this walk with Christ requires a death um, and so we're going to we're going to look at um, second peter if you want to turn your Bibles to Second Peter, the first chapter. Um, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, but like I often do, I have that and New American Standard written side by side on my paper because I like New American Standard. But this is a little bit more readable. Um, and so I'll be reading from that and try to follow along in your translation. Second uh, Peter chapter one. We're going to read um, verses two through uh, eleven. Yep, eleven. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. What a precious gift! What a precious gift! You've given us your Son, and you've given us your word, and uh, Lord, I. I just thank you, Father, that you've so freely offered both and how you've preserved your word through the decades. Lord, I pray that um, as we look at it today, that it would become alive yet again for us 
In Jesus' name. Verse 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fail. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I I wrote down Selah at the end of that. Meditate on this. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to kind of go through this uh, slowly and think about what Peter is telling us here. Look at the keys he's given us and hopefully find a practical way to um, put Greg and Randy's message into a working life that we have. Um, so... May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. I like that. Uh, I don't know, uh, I probably haven't done it to everybody, but generally, um, if I wish somebody a happy birthday or happy anniversary, it, it, it generally doesn't stop there. There's a May something that comes after it. And, and I look at this and I say, well, here's an apostle writing this it could be a prayer it could be a blessing but it's a great habit to get into (laughs) i mean think about it um who wouldn't want more and more grace and peace um and there's a qualifier there yes as you grow as you grow and then there's a there's a specific thing to grow in in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So um, I don't know. I think you guys need to practice this. So find somebody and um, and pray this or speak a blessing over them. Bill, you're gonna have to find somebody. You can't just sit there. Find somebody. We're gonna go through this. I'll lead you through like wedding vows. I'll say a little bit at a time. Since in case some of you don't have it. So. Yeah, there's a tree. You guys could do great. Fine. Jonathan, you can. That way you get a double portion. Somebody's going to get a double portion in this little trio here. Here you go. May God give you more and more. May God give you more and more and more and more. I mean, if more is not enough, it's more and more. Grace and peace. I mean, who doesn't want more grace and more peace? Right? 
as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Is that not a blessing? I mean, we should just we should say that every day. You know, find somebody and bless them that way. Um, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Okay, you can you can stop. I'm sorry. What? Okay, y'all want to? I should have made more copies of this. Eight pages. God has given us everything. Granted us everything. God has granted you everything you need to live a godly life. So, what's the problem? <laughs> That's what I asked myself. What's the problem? What's the problem, Preston? What's the problem? So, you know, you, you stop and you think, okay, really? Really? I'm not feeling that, God. Are you sure? And, you know, I, I just, my mind just kind of raced back to the Garden of Eden. Oh, he's withholding something. He can't be giving me everything, you know. That's where Adam and Eve kind of, you know, dropped the ball there, you know. But he's given us everything to live a godly life. You've got it. It's just a matter of learning to apprehend it, you know. It's this dying thing that Randy kept talking about, you know. It's a dying thing that has a shell. Yeah. It's just not a once and done. You know, I just don't get it. You could probably be baptized every day and you still have the same problems every day. It's like, it's like that, that old nature. I don't know. Pride is like you have a beautiful lawn and you can go out one day and there'll be weeds this tall. And it's like, where'd that come from? That's how pride is. You know, it just... There it is again. Or whatever God's working on. You know, it's one of many things of our nature. But um, Alexander McLaren, a Scottish Bible expositor, he, he said this. May we have as much of God as we will. Christ puts the key of the treasure chamber into our hand. And what is that treasure chamber? We're going to find out later. It's the promises of God. It's the promises of God. Puts the the key to the treasure chamber into our hand and bids us take all we want. Now, if a man is admitted into the bullion vault of a bank and told to help himself and then comes out with one cent, whose fault is it that he's poor? And, you know, and we're not even given a time thing. It's it's always open. Here are the promises. Lay hold of the promises. In other words, how do we do this? How do we grow closer to Christ? It's through these promises. Um, and, and so, how does He give those to us? Oh my, it says, by His divine power. So is there anything that's in the way from God's side? Anything that would stop him, his divine power, from giving us those things? Anything. Okay, I'm going to read something from John Piper that's um, maybe controversial. I'm still stewing on it, but I'm going to throw it out for you guys. He says this. The Christian faith is not merely a set of doctrines to be accepted. It is a power to be experienced. It is a tragic thing to ask somebody if they know the Lord. And to have them start listing things they believe about the Lord. Brothers and sisters, believing things about Jesus Christ will save no one. 
The devils are the most orthodox believers under heaven. It is a divine power that saves. If the power of God does not flow into your life and make you godly, you're not Christ. That's a heavy word. It's the power. It's not what we believe about Jesus. It's we believe in him. And he's given us everything. And how has he given us everything? It's through these great and precious promises. A.W. Tozer says this about the promises. We need today a fresh spirit of anticipation that springs out of the promises of God. We must declare war on the mood of non-expectation and come together with childlike faith. Only then can we know again the beauty and wonder of the Lord's presence among us. True faith is never found alone. It is always accompanied by expectation. The man who believes the promises of God expects to see them fulfilled. Where there is no expectation, there's no faith. So faith, true faith leads to expectation. It's the evidence of things not seen, the assurance of things hoped for. And that changes behavior. And if it changes behavior, then that gives us a new nature. That's what we're going to kind of look at as we walk through this particular thing. So why were the promises given? As you look through this thing here, why were the promises given? To enable you to share or partake of his divine nature. You can have a nature like God, not be God, but your nature as you grow should be more and more like his. That's what this is telling us. So that's what the promises are given for is so that we can share that nature. And the promises are given so that we can escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And the third thing that Spurgeon says is that we may become morally and spiritually like himself. So it has to do with this nature thing. If you're going to partake of the 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 design the 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 divine nature, then there has to be less and less of the old nature that shows up, right? Um, Warren Worsby, get my words out today, um, had, a, had a discussion about this. I didn't read through the whole discussion. I just made some quick notes about it. He says, that, you're, that the difference between nature and appetite, one affects the other, that, that your nature determines what your appetite is. What are pigs like? Pigs like slop. Sheep like green pastures. What is the old nature like? Slop. Right. What's your appetite for in the old nature? It's these same desire, these human desires that we struggle against. But if your appetite is for more of God, then your your nature's going to begin to change. That's what you're going to. Nature determines appetite. Nature determines behavior. So, how does an eagle behave? They fly. And fish, how do they behave? They swim. So a believer, what's his nature like? He acts righteous. Now, we're going to find out a little bit later, it's acting righteous. It's kind of how it begins. It's imputed, but it's acted. And the more we act, the more it becomes our nature. So nature also determines your environment and your association. Who do you like to be with? Who do you run around with? 
you know. Doesn't mean we shouldn't evangelize. But we like to be with people that are like-minded and like-hearted. And out of that, out of that and alone time with, with the Lord is where you get the power to go out and with confidence share. So he summarizes this by saying, if we feed the new nature, the nourishment of the word, then we will have little interest in the garbage of the world. But if we make provision for the flesh, our sinful nature will lust after the old sins and we will disobey God. Godly living is the result of cultivating a new nature. Cultivating a new nature as we grow in the knowledge of God. Cultivating. That sounds like we have to do something. Um, and then we go, we go to verse 5. It says, in view of all this. Well, in view of all what? Well, I listed four things. God's marvelous glory and excellence. That's something to be in view of. He's called us to himself. It's pretty amazing and gracious. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. And he's given us great and precious promises. In view of all of that, what are we supposed to do? What's your Bible say? Make every effort to respond. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. New American Standard says apply all diligence. Effort. Diligence. I thought God gave them to us. That's what it says. D.A. Carson says this. Since God is powerfully at work in you, you yourself must make every effort. Um, So the emphasis on diligence and making every effort is that it's done in earnest. Um, Some of the things we're saying, it's done quickly. It's you respond. When God shows you something, you respond. You're responsible, able to respond. So what's the evidence that we're responding? What what does it say that the evidence of that is? Make every effort effort to respond to God's promises. What What do we do? There's one thing we've been given by God. What? That's faith. We're supposed to add to that? Or supplement, depending on what your translation says. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Okay, so I thought these things were given. There's a principle here, um, and it's called the 100%, 100, 100%, 100%. We're 100% dependent on God, and we're 100% responsible. Simple. That's how it works. He provides everything and we work out all he works in. So every one of these things, every one of these virtues that we look at is like, oh, we've got this one. Um, I'll work on the the next one. Every one of them requires faith. So how, how does this thing work? Like Philippians 2 Twelve thirteen says this. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read it. I'll, I'll just do 12b to 13. How much more? No, let me start here. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We've all read that a hundred times. So we're supposed to work out what he's working in. So... We're 100% dependent on him to work it in us. 
and we're 100% responsible to respond to what he's working in, these promises that he's given us. Um, here's an example out of the Old Testament. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in what? In vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake In vain. Okay. <laughs> you, you, one more time, okay. It is what? Vain. For you to rise up early and labor and late at night to eat the bread of painful sorrows. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. So what is the kind of operating word here? God does what and man does what? So man does the, the building, man does the watching, man does gets up early to do all this, and it's vain unless God's involved. It's just that simple. You know, when you things aren't just aren't going right, sometimes it's 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 God smiling and we're gonna have a test today to see how Here's a, here's a pop quiz. We're going to see how you're doing. But a lot of times we do these things and they're, and they're for naught. Because God was never in it, you know. Um, God gives food we have to eat it. Exactly. It, it's, it's, there, there, there are um, so many examples of this pattern. Um, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. For apart from me, you know, the same principle. Uh, I have a bunch of them written down here as references, but if you're really interested in pursuing this paradox of 100% dependent and 100% responsible, come up and I'll give you six more examples of that in the New Testament. So, we're going to move through these things that we're supposed to be adding to our faith, okay? But we can only add by diligence and effort and more faith, okay? This is how it works. Moral excellence, what is that? That's to be holy as I'm holy. That's exactly, it's a virtue that, that virtues are those things that produce whatever is excellent and good in a person. Um, and it means that you've got to have the courage to excel in life. To excel means you've got to not be afraid to try it. So I mean, really try life. Try living the life that God wants you to live. Right? Are you sometimes afraid to jump out there and try that kind of life? You mean, you want me to do that, but I'm supposed to be dependent on you? And a lot of times for me, are you really going to show up? Well, it takes faith, doesn't it? It takes depending on him. You're asking me to do something that I'm not comfortable doing, okay? So supplement your moral excellence with knowledge. Um, this basically means learning how to live life successfully, which is a lot of times what we use is the definition for wisdom. But it's learning to understand how life works. It's interesting what the next one is. So what are we going to add to that? Self-control should be our goal. How's the rest of that little song go? Like to be more like Jesus. That's right. Um, self-control. Why do we need self-control after gaining knowledge? Right? Well, maybe there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. There's a time to hold that within. There's a time to um, 
meditate on it so that you understand it. Um, all these things to me, it's like, and, and it's like, once you've got knowledge, you get, once you've got knowledge, then you get a certificate. I've got knowledge, so I'm going to go to the next one. We'll work on self-control. I don't know if I'll ever get that, that, that certificate. But they work together. You, they're not just this, it's not this step like this. Obviously, you, you guys know that. They kind of work together and you grow together in these things, probably at varying speeds in each one of them, depending on which ones you're like more diligent in, the, the ones that you put more effort into it. Um, but these things continue to, you know, we continue have to walk in this. Um, I want to. I'm going to take a sidetrack here somewhere, but I'm trying to figure out where. Let me just say a couple things about self-control. Self-control is basically learning to manage yourself. <laughs> Can you manage yourself? It's holding the passions and desires in hand. It's doing whatever you need to do. However, the energy which the Holy Spirit supplies is to a yielded Christian to do it. It's a happy con combination of these two things to do. So ma mainly it's a managing, learning to manage our emotions more than anything else, I think. So to self-control, we have to add this patient endurance. So when you think you've got it and you really have been waiting and, hey, I'm, for me, it's waiting in line. I cannot stand to wait, wait in lines. And that's my wife. I usually send her to, re to return anything. So, <laughs> but waiting and I'm like wow you know this is not bothering me at all especially at the checkout counter if somebody's inefficient or somebody can't figure out how they need to pay or whatever but I'm doing really good in this and then it just takes a little bit longer than it ought to a little bit longer I've, I'm doing good that patient endurance is this thing that's whatever it is it might not be just in that particular area but this particular one is Remaining under discipline, subjecting oneself to something which demands the submission of one's will to something against which one would naturally rebel. Does that make sense? Bearing up under a heavy load, it describes a quality of character which does not allow you to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. You press through, basically, whatever it is. Um, it has in it a forward-looking. Patient endurance is forward-looking. There's, there's a goal there for the joy set before him. <coughs> Jesus endured the cross. You're looking past whatever it is that's really hard right now. Um, You're looking to the well-done, good, and faithful servant. And to patient endurance, we're so, to add godliness. Um, godliness is just being like the Lord, really. It's reflecting in your life a sense of God's presence all the time. Um, it describes an attitude of mind which respects man and honors God. Godliness brings the sanctifying presence of God into all the experiences of life. I found this um, quote by Spurgeon that I thought really helped me understand this list a little bit better. He says, You shall never find true faith unattended by true godliness. On the other hand, you shall never discover a truly holy life which has not for its root and foundation a living faith upon the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I began looking at this and I thought, okay, so we're going from faith to godliness. And as I looked at that, I thought, everything in that building block, a building upon your faith, 
is stuff that's happening inside you. Self-control, patient endurance, taking in knowledge. All these things um, are things going on inside of us. And when, when we're able to walk in this place of in, in different, increasing measures of godliness, um, then our platform keeps expanding, uh, expanding for the next two things. The other two are outward, brotherly kindness and Christian love. And so as we grow in the knowledge of God, uh, he gives us this gift of faith. Uh, we begin to add to that by effort and diligence, all the while he's the one that, that's given us the desire to do that. Um, and he, as he's building us to be becoming more and more like his nature, we more and more have a godliness about us that we more and more can really love brothers in the family of God like this and love in general by um, walking that out with, with right motives and a right heart. You know, I was reading something um, by Oswald Chambers, and he was saying that, you know, when, when you're still aware that, uh, that you're holy and that, you're, that, 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 that there's, there's a godliness about you, he, he has this way of just kind of bringing you back down to reality. Um, I used to think it was a great book, My Utmost First Highest to Give to, give to, to a Young Christian, but I've changed my mind because... It's, it's a challenging book to, to walk in some of the things that he writes. But what he was saying is when you're aware of these things in your life, then you've got a ways to go. The thing is, the thing that we're trying to get to, and the, the reason these things work is it has to start out as a habit. All these things have to start out as a habit. We have to be conscious about adding these things to our life. But at some point, that habit should become our lifestyle. And it's like, it's just who we are. Now, some of them take a lot longer than others. But that's, that's what Peter is, is trying to get to here is this is how it's done. I'm going to take a, a, a minute right here because it's like, okay, how, how do the promises fit into this? I'm going to borrow from Tim Keller. I'm going to take this right off the tribute page in YouTube. The very first thing he said in the tribute page where they're, they're having this tribute and a lot of different <coughs> pastors are saying, you know, what his life has meant to them and to his people. But the first words from it are Tim Keller's words and it's him speaking. So listen to these words and see how this affects how you see the promises of God. When God speaks, this is Tim Keller, when God speaks, it happens. Let there be, right? God's word is a power. It's not like God's word is like our word. We say something, but then we have to do it, right? God's word is his active power. And when you hear God speaking to you in his word, when you study his word, when you hear his voice to you in his word, that is his power, his power coming into your life. When you read the promise and you really know God is speaking to you, that's the power. What's our response to be? It says respond. It says respond to this. Take that faith and build upon it. Whatever that promise is, you may need it for self-control. Whatever that promise is, you might need that for patient endurance. Tim Keller continues. If you want to make sure your prayer life is meaningful, you need to be deep in the Word of God. When you study the Word of God, God is speaking to you and then you respond in prayer. That prayer may be some, something as simple as what Mary said. Be it unto me according to your word. It's a promise. I, I just, that is something that I want to meditate on more. When he speaks, 
That's his power. And it's up to me to respond. That's what he's giving me. And then we go through these other two here. Brotherly kindness, which we know it's like we're family. You love your family. You have celebrations in your family. Um, and you have a special place in your heart for your family. But brotherly kindness is really defined as same kind for the people of God. Love them the same way. And then Christian love goes outside of that. Um, let me read this thing on, on this kind of love, the agape love. <laughs> Biblical agape love is the love of choice. The love of serving with humility. The highest kind of love. The noblest kind of devotion. The love of the will. It's intentional. It's conscious choice. And not motivated by superficial appearance. Emotional or good feelings that might result from a physical attraction or just a familiar bond. Agape chooses as an act of self-sacrifice to serve the recipient. From all of the descriptions of agape love, it is clear that true agape love is a sure mark of salvation. So there you have it. Those are the things that Peter says we need to walk through. Um, more and more we can gr grow and become godly in our nature. Then more and more we will be able to love one another uh, without any motive other than seeing their best. Seeing their best. Not to get love back. Not to get uh, something from them. But just... Just an overflow. Um, you know, time alone with God, time alone in God's Word. Um, he, he's, he doesn't have a reserve of, of love, of His own love to pour into you and me. You know, it's not metered out, okay, um, they've gotten their four quarts for this week. No. Everything about God is overflow. Everything flows out of who he is he has no need and so the more that we can walk in that understanding and reception of that love the more of that that just can flow out to other people so then we get down to lost my page here here we go Verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting. And I read, I'm going to read something and then I'll come back to this. Exodus 33:12 says this about Moses. Moses. Moses is speaking to God. He says, moreover, you have said... I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Kind of circular, isn't it? Read verse 2 and read verse 8. I see that same pattern in verse 2. In verse 8 in this thing. As you grow in your knowledge of God. The more you grow like this. The more you be useful and purposeful. In your knowledge of God. More and more grace and peace. As you grow. Do you see it? Nobody sees it but me. Did I make it up? The more we grow, the more knowledge we have in God. The more knowledge we have in God, the more grace and peace we have. I like that. 
But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You know, part of me thought, maybe we should stop right now and have the Lord's Supper. That's what he said. Remember. Remember me. As often as you do, remember me. You're forgiven. I've done this. But you may be forgiven. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. It's not a proving like you need to prove, prove it. If you read the New American Standard, it's the word pops up again. Just be diligent. Just be diligent. For as long as you do these things, practice. Practice, practice. Practice makes... My family, I always told my kids, practice makes better. Practice. We may make perfect in some things, but that's, that was the mantra in our family. Practice makes you better. I had a discussion with this about my brother, you know. He feels like the Lord's really wanting him to start painting uh, faces instead of scenes, which is much more difficult, you know. I said, well, how are you going to do that? I said, how, how, are you, how are you going to capture a frame, a frown, or a surprise, or whatever? And um, he's a perfectionist. And so um, he said, well, I may have to use a model, or I may could take a picture, and I, I, I wrote him back an email. I said, um, there's no perfect expression. <laughs> he writes me back, but it can be nearly perfect. <laughs> You're missing the point. <laughs> but do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give, grant you a, a grand entrance. A grand entrance. Now, I've not spent enough time meditating about this, but, um, you know, as, as, as being the individual society that we are, we think, okay, here comes Preston into the kingdom of God. No, I think it's going to be more like, here comes my bride. So let's get, uh, get it out of our heads that, and maybe we'll have a spotlight time, who knows, but, I think it's, look, he's looking down upon us, you and me, but mainly us. And so I think, you know, it's a time of learning to recognize it in humility. If that's when he wants to exalt us as an individual, so be it. But I think Jesus is more wanting to say, here she is, <laughs> not a spot or blemish, you know. Um, I've enjoyed this particular passage because I felt like never was able to kind of to grasp. Well, how do you die? How do you how do you just die? I mean, you, I've tried that. It's habit. It's a habit. You have to do these habits, and, and if you stay with it long enough, if you stay humble. The habit will become a lifestyle. And so it becomes who you are. Now, that's the most self-controlled person I think I've ever seen. How do they, how do, they do that? They started with a habit. I'm going to start trying to be more whatever it is. Patient endurance. And uh, in, in understanding that whatever that gain is, it's 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 God. It's God has put it in you, and you're just working it out because now you're responding to that promise. That living word, when He speaks, is a power. 
Um, so I just encourage you um, to be more and more aware, more and more um, believing that the advances advances we make in our spiritual growth, um, there is a big faithful God that's underneath that. Uh, it's not that we got there by ourselves. It's 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 Him that creates the desire to move on. It's Him that gives us the the, and we we're just supposed to have the energy. We need to have the energy. I'm going to leave it at that, and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. Um, Father, you are a mystery, and sometimes your word is a mystery. And yet, Lord, I, I know that deep in your heart, just as it is any father's heart, is that your children would get it. And so, Lord, I pray that we would spend time with your word uh, in your presence that more and more we would get it. More and more you could give us the keys and the secret to that particular thing. That you could more and more could speak that promise that we need for that season of our life. Uh, and Lord, we just look to you. You're the faithful one who calls us home. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, But as we charge forward, we do need to look backwards and remember the basis that we can do that. The strength and power comes from a God who's forgiven us that we might boldly walk into his presence. We're talking about the one who dwells in unapproachable light. Uh, It's more than I can comprehend. What was it that song we sang earlier today? about the cross we could not comprehend. The mystery of the cross. It is. It is. But I think in God's goodness, He just every now and then peels back another page as we wait. Peels back another page. Let me show you something else. You know, so I encourage you continue to read your word with a conscious mind that God is there looking over your shoulder he's given us a promise his spirit is that a, is that a good enough promise i'll send i'll send a helper yeah you'll send a helper so um let's just come for if you would get a cup get the bread and we'll we'll take this together all right